Seeing right now, I've got uh, Captain Sexy um, on video with his puppies. Um, you got Captain Jack and Maisie, you said. Yep. All right. Yeah, we're skyping today, folks. We're getting um, Director Patrick Ray, R E A Ray, and I hope it's Ray. I could probably say Ray. <laughs> I don't know, and I'll be wrong again, but um, I'm pretty sure I'm right. And he makes some interesting and creepy monster romps, and uh, I've seen quite a few. I've been looking forward to talking to him for a while. We have some mutual friends, and I think you just heard my dog in the background. That was Miss Jet. Um, I have an announcement, but you have to be quiet about it. We're adding to our okay. fam- we're adding to our family. Really? Yes, uh, a little a corgi mix. Oh wow! Congratulations. Yes, he's a, he's a rescue, um, and we're getting him in two weeks. So it just kind of happened, and yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't know how, how Jet is going to receive this new dog. <laughs> oh, wow, do I have a sun glare? The sun is, like, shining into the office here. Like, into Helm's Deep headquarters. So I, right when I sit down so I can't see. It's like, you know, every world, everything has to happen all at once, you know? But yeah, so, so how did this come about, Dave? The dog or the sun? That's, that's big news, yeah. Yeah, she, well, um... My wife's been after one for a while, but very particular. Um, I, I don't window shop um, living things. She would sit on the couch and show me these dogs and puppies, one after the next. And I just like, I can't do this. I'll follow up, email them, do what you got to do. And she did. And there was ne- never any luck with it. The fishing was bad. They were always taken. Well, this guy's coming from Texas. He's actually being shipped up <laughs> in a doggy caravan. So oh my. we were playing with the name Jack, but I, I, I don't know. Um, currently working. Well, our dog. Yeah. I was going to say our dog's name is Jackson. That was his name when we rescued him. There and you go. Uh, okay. our, our neighbor's son is named Jackson as well. But we decided to keep the name anyhow because Amy has a um, black, a, excuse me, a black Jeep Wrangler that we call the Black Pearl. Nice. <laughs> um, and so we, we were like, well, Jackson, we'll just call him Captain Jack, you know, Captain Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean. 
Perfect. Caribbean, so Caribbean, Caribbean. How do you say it? Ah, uh, you know, I, honestly, what's his face kind of ruined that for me. The Caribbean, Caribbean Queen song. Um, what the hell? Uh, Billy Ocean, I believe. Billy Ocean murdered, yeah. murdered it in the '80s, and I, it sounded it always sounded like he was saying Caribbean. So I, I never really cared what the pronunciation was, but I do say Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, that's a thing. I can't believe Billy Ocean came into this conversation. But, um, yeah, we, so we've been away. Uh, we did North Carolina, uh, Outer Banks. We were in uh, Rodanth, also Rodantha, <laughs> if you will. Um, ocean was beautiful. Um, body surfing, getting killed by riptides. Um, it was just a great time, great escape. Yeah, we, we, uh, we recently came back from Gatlinburg, Tennessee, uh, we did a trip down there to go hiking in the mountains and had a couple bear encounters. That was really? fun. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we were walking on a trail the one day. Um, you know, it, it was uh, just inside the National Forest, and uh, there was a trail. There wasn't a lot. Most of the trails that we went on, there weren't a lot of people. And um, okay. this trail, we, we kicked out a bear in the brush, and uh, we didn't really get a good look at him, but... We knew he was there, but we kept walking, so we, we didn't think much of it. How big? Um, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to get to that. So oh, on the way back, there's more. once we turned around, yeah. So once we turned around uh, at the end of our walk, we were going to go back and get ready to go uh, have dinner. Um, <laughs> it we, sounds like uh, somebody else was we, getting we, ready for dinner, too. <laughs> <laughs> we ran into the bear again, and uh, it was a lot bigger than I expected. Oh, it was shit. about... Uh, my in my estimation it was about 300 pound black bear that's not good and it was uh it was actually walking away from us on the trail okay and we were making noise um you know as you're kind of told to do i think in the woods you know when there's when there's bear around to just kind of that way you don't spook them and um anyway um he wasn't getting off the trail, no way, no how, and I did not really want him turning on us. No. So, so we decided to just turn around and hike a little bit further back up the trail where we came from, and then there was uh, access. We found access to a road, and we were able we were able to walk back uh, back to our vehicle, uh, uh, just wow. just a different way. So. Yeah, that turned into a little bit of an adventure that we didn't expect. But uh, were you sweating? You know, we saw. Go ahead. Were you sweating when you got back? Uh yeah, actually, yeah, a little bit. It was, it was, you know, the weather was pretty warm down there. <laughs> That's really not what humid. I mean. <laughs> kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I was nervous because that yeah. bear was, that bear was bigger than than I expected, and. Uh, Quite honestly, I only had a little pocket knife and I had a, uh-huh. a walking stick with me and I just was not prepared. And so I would advise anybody that's taking a trip like we did and going in where there's the possibility of encountering a bear to be prepared with, um, wow. you know, a, some loud horn or uh, or I know they sell bear spray, which uh, um, how about a portable, know, a really- portable fart machine? That would be interesting. <laughs> oh. It would make him think that it was know. him, you know. Um, no, you know what's funny? Not this isn't funny at all, actually. Um, but most encounters with bear happen. Ha- bears happen the way you just did along a trail. The, it's only bad if they start following you. <laughs> well, what you know, I saw there was a YouTube video a while ago. I saw where a bear actually was following a person, and that person was walking backwards at a very slow 
you know, at, at a pace to where the bear would stayed about 10 to 20 yards away wow. at any given at any given time. But it was kind of scary. But, you know, I also think of The Revenant from, uh, you know, that Leon, Leo DiCaprio yeah. movie and uh, what he what happened to him in that movie with his bear encounter. And, Not good. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I just, I was, I was a little bit, I was quite a bit nervous. Not a little bit, quite a bit. Now that's that's a lot. That's a lot to digest. Um, being the Outer Banks too. Um, uh, usually sharks are an issue there because they're very abundant, and we're off a Hatteras. You're more in the ocean than most of us ever are. You're, you're way out there. And uh, sorry, I gotta take a sip of my tea here. You got me all excited about bears, but um. Sharks, you gotta watch out for, man. And uh, while we were there, the riptide was the problem, and uh, we had an issue where uh, Denise couldn't swim to me uh, because the riptide was so strong, and yeah. you get tired real quick. And we were a little deep, and uh, I just told her to stop, go with the tide, and I'll meet you there. We were only ten yards away from each other the whole time, and this went on for like you know five minutes, but scary enough. When she got out. We found out that three people had almost drowned right down the, uh, the beach from us. So mm -hmm. it was a real thing. Yeah. Scary, scary vacations. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's pretty scary. I remember being a kid and my dad actually saved someone in a riptide at uh, Virginia Beach. We used to go down there all the time in vacation at, uh, when, we, when we were younger. And um, um, yeah, that was pretty scary. That I know. He, he, I remember him having a hard time. I, I'm certified. I'm a certified lifeguard too. Um, I, when I was a kid in my in my late twenties, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty I was good. too. Yeah, at one point. That's right. You, you worked. At, we talked about that in New Jersey, right? Yeah, yeah. I was the lead uh, lifeguard for the summer camp that I worked at. That's right. That's right. I, I just made a big mistake too before um, logging in with you right now. I ate. Uh, pieces of uh, it's a little bit of a cheeseburger before I came on, and now I'm just burping. And this is like, <laughs> yeah, I, I love burping in directors' faces. That's a horrible thing to do. But uh, yeah, so we're having Patrick Ray come Don't on a little it. bit. We're going to talk about his new film. Um, they wait in the dark. I actually, yeah, they wait in the dark is the new one. But I, I'm a huge fan of two of his other ones, uh, Nailbiter and Arbor Demon. I really enjoyed those. But uh, yeah, this one. Well, we'll, we're gonna, we'll hear from him, and uh, we can't give spoilers, because <laughs> it's not out yet. So um, <laughs> I promise no spoilers, and I'll have to edit once we start doing that. <laughs> um, but we have a tune to play. Uh, these guys have been after me for a while, and uh, Norwegian Soft Kitten. I don't know where they're from. I, I, they, if you look up everything, it seems like they're local Pittsburgh or Ohio. I, yeah. Are yeah. they? What I, I don't know. I, I mean, okay. this is, you know, I'm not familiar with this band. So are they, are they, um, <laughs> they, uh, well, are they, a, are they a big deal or what, what kind of music are they? They're very, um, we'll say that they're, uh, uh, respectfully, um, urgent to get their music out there. Um, and they, 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 uh, locate people like us and then they announce which shows that their music will be played on. They did that on, on uh, Instagram, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, it yeah. Looked, yeah, it looks like there's two brothers involved, the Burgett's brothers, um, and somebody named Alan Green, who I couldn't find yet, but nothing in their bio says where they're from. I just can guess from mutual friends in the area. Um, I'm sure it's on there somewhere. I even looked at IMDB, nothing, nothing about, uh, where they're from. Uh, but yes, we're going to play a tune from them. I hope I just didn't blow your eardrums out. <laughs> nope. 
that's a good thing. Uh, so what else you been, what else you got going on? Well, I actually um, just uh, ended one career and started another. Oh, career. that's right. Uh, still, um, you know, in uh, my field of choice, which is information security or cybersecurity, some people would refer to it as. Right. Um, but uh, I was primarily working for a internet service provider. And now I've gone back to my former employer, which is a bank. I won't name them, but uh, yeah, don't don't advertise. Um, <laughs> I I just started um, yesterday uh, on Monday, and uh, you know things are going pretty well so far. So I'm really happy about that. Um, it's a good good career move for me, and yeah. um, for my for you know a good change for my family. Um, I'm afforded the opportunity to work from my home office five mm-hmm. days a week. There'll still be. Uh, times where I'll need to go in the office, but um, you know, pretty excited about that. You know, and in, in, into the, you know, the the uh, climate of today. Mm. Um, you know, with uh, inflation and uh, rising gas prices and all that stuff, it it uh, you know that that kind of change really helps helps us out. So, and you didn't become bear food. That's that's important. Very important change. That's changes really, in life. That's really really important. Hey, you know, the other thing is, which we haven't really talked about is, you know, you also started something new that, that I helped, uh, yeah. um, put together. Yeah. How, how's that going? Hey, like I said, I'm one step away from becoming the best supervillain of all time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, Sean got me a job in, um, hazardous waste removal. It's the best way to call it. And I work for two hospitals. Uh, his brother is my boss. Hopefully you don't see me in the hospital because that's not a place you want to be. Uh, but what I do is I, I uh, basically roll a 600-pound cart full of hazardous waste and change out those bins that all you folks see in, uh, in your, when you go see your doctors. And you have to be a little bit careful and kind of know what you're doing a little bit because you don't want to get jabbed. That could end your career. <laughs> Uh, but it's, yeah. it's got me in really good shape because hauling this thing around, I'm using a lot of upper body strength uh, I haven't used in years. And um, moving around 10 floors, two hospitals, it's, it's, a, you know, it's a lot, but I do enjoy it. And the stories, oh, they're coming. <laughs> they're coming. But uh, let's I, I, I look forward to the stories that, that you'll be able to share someday, hopefully, in, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in the uh, form of fiction. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe I could even uh, intrigue Mr. Ray today uh, to make a hazardous waste film. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, it's 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 a good it's a good gig. I, I like it. Um, yeah, the stories will be coming. There's a lot that goes on in, in just like the few hours that I'm in both places. But yeah, on top of that, you know, I'm still writing. I, I got a lot of work to do there. A lot of catching up to do with my creative stuff, including this, including the, talking to the fiends here. And um, you're gonna, like I said, guys and girls, folks, friends, and fiends, you're gonna meet Patrick Ray. He seems like a nice fellow, but you know those horror directors. There's gotta be something creeping up in that brain of his, and we're gonna try to divulge that. Um, so they wait in the dark is the new one. Um, right now, we're gonna get into some Norwegian soft kitten. <laughs> and th- this is not a girl band, guys. It's three guys, from what I understand. Um, hilarious name. I'm, I can't wait to hear that story. We're going to play uh, Full Moon Raging is one they asked me to play. Um, and this will be new for you. Now, I have a question for you, Sean. They're labeled yeah. as a gush band. It's G-U-S-H. I don't know that term yet. Gush. I, I, that's new to me as well. Gush? I've, not, I've never heard of that. I'm going to look that up on, on, our, on our break while we play yeah. their songs. So. And, that, and that's like right up there with um, 
what was the other? Oh, shoegazing, which we got into with Cody Romain and those guys. That got oh, later. yeah. Shoegazing. You know, a lot a lot Shoe of games. bands just don't like any sort of classification because, yeah. you know, it, it pigeonholes them. And, you know, a, a lot of the artists that we listen to, you know, really can be unclassifiable in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff, you know, uh, that I listened to a lot earlier in my life and even still do now was termed industrial or yeah. some flavor of industrial or, or cold wave or, yeah. um, you know, so, some, you know, um, some, uh, different vein of that kind of music. But, um, you know, it, yeah. And even so, some bands, you know, as we've encountered are, you know, quite offended by those, those kind of terms or classifications. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. So th- that's interesting. We have gotten I'll have into to that. Look, I'll have to look that up. We have gotten into that. I was also talking online briefly uh, last night uh, with uh, the, the um, Emily Pitcher uh, from uh, the new up that band. They're going to have some new stuff yeah. for, at some point for us too. Uh, she's been very supportive for kettle whistle radio. And so I always make sure I check in with those people. Um, yeah, you can't please everybody because we try to keep up and we can't even get together half the time. So, all right. So sharks and bears aside, we're going to get into some uh, creepy facts with uh, our horror director uh, friend that's going to be joining us after this. After you hear this song, and Sean's going to tell us what gush music is. <laughs> oh my God. All right. All right, folks. We'll get right back to you. And oh yeah, iHeartRadio listeners, thank you for listening. Yeah, it's fine. 
marching in silence, echoing backwards. Voices are empty, hammering wings, carrying me deeper. Sunless drifting in. And Sarah from, from Spotlights. Spotlights, and you're listening to Kettle Whistle Radio. Because my wife was like, "Ah, you need to get rid of that. You're looking shaggy." <laughs> well, I, I did have a full beard, and I this was all white. But oh uh, wow, yeah, he's, yeah, he's trying to look like one of his dogs. <laughs> um, so Patrick, Patrick, your, your last name is pronounced Ray. Yes, correct. Okay. Sean, I'm right for the first time. Uh, Normally, you know, ever. it's funny. A lot of people say Rhea, and I'm like, well, I'm glad I didn't name my daughter Ghana because that would have led to a lot of questions. 
That's awful. <laughs> That's awesome, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm famous for just saying the, the, the name incorrectly from the onset of any. Yeah, it's pronounced like R-A-Y, but it's spelled R-E-R-E-A, which is like, I, I don't know why that's the case, but it's all. <laughs> well, hey, um, we're, we're just well, proud to have you on. Sweet. Pat, Patrick, I, I will preface this by saying that I'm surrounded by three dogs right now, so if any of them decide to have an outburst, I apologize in advance. Well, no problem. Usually my kids are around me, and this is one of those rare times where they're at a birthday party thing, and my wife teaches yoga. At oh, no way. Six, so she, she leaves at five, so I'm literally by myself. Oh, really? So, my wife teaches yoga also. She has a uh, she owns a yoga and massage therapy, uh, like oh, a God. little boutique studio. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, my wife and her would be best friends. Cause... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Where where are you located at? I am in Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, okay. We're well, you know, we're from around Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, so Yeah. Oh, wow. Quite quite a distance between us, but yeah, they would probably be really good friends. Yeah, she uh, you know, she teaches at she used to teach at two different studios, but now she she only teaches at night and then she's uh does accounting during the day, which so it's like a polar opposite thing where she's sitting and yeah. crunching numbers and then she's like, All right, I gotta go get some exercise. <laughs> so she teaches these classes. <laughs> and um I mean I'm on my ass most of the day editing or, or trying to get, you know, projects going and stuff. So I'm like, Well, my exercise is mowing the lawn or <laughs> riding yeah. the bike around the riding the bike around the block. So That's great. I'm a, I'm in front of a computer screen all day long. Yeah. I, I cybersecurity for a bank now i used oh, to work wow. for internet provider and um yeah so that's yeah we were just yeah, talking about we were just talking about our changes of life uh, that we're doing uh employment wise and otherwise you know shaving our faces but sean um had a recent encounter with a bear that was kind of uh well scary oh my god seriously yeah <laughs> yeah yeah well we went to gatlinburg virginia for our vacation um actually kind of an early vacation but um we went hiking down there in the national forest and uh yeah we had a a unique bear encounter um we've seen bear in the woods before but uh this one was really close and made me really nervous it was it was a it was a bigger black bear so oh my god yeah. Uh, we, yeah. we had yeah, that's terrible we did have a question for you too cuz uh, the band that we played earlier before we we got you on uh, introduce us to a new genre of uh, of rock, I guess, called Gush Gay U Gay. Wow, G U S H K U. Wow, that's too much uh, sweet tea for me. But yeah, G G U S H Gush. Yeah, have okay. you heard of this? We know we know no. about shoegaze, but no, I've never heard of Gush. Gush. What is it? I think they're messing with us. I don't know. I don't, I don't have no clue. Okay. We, we couldn't figure it out. I was tasked with trying to figure it out before we came back, and uh, I didn't do a very good job. <laughs> he didn't do anyway. Uh, she create. She created her. Own, they created their own genre, apparently. Or so. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I think so. I'm probably gonna hear about this, but I'm gonna ask my wife. But she doesn't. She's it, she's not really. My wife likes rap music, and I like old school rock. There you, you go. Know, I'm, I, I'm stuck in the 80s and 90s with my music taste, which she makes fun of a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Need to. It happens. It happens. <laughs> it happens. I, we listen to everything from the 70s on up to new metal, but we have a thing, a penchant for industrial bands because we seem to get a lot of them played here, it, it, like ministry-type stuff, you know? But okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah you'll, you'll hear a variety of music if you listen to us. But anyway, right now, Patrick Ray, uh, director, he sent us 
the screener for They Wait in the Dark, which is your latest, your latest. Yes, correct. Yes, and I thank you for that. And thanks for trusting us. We're not going to do spoilers, but we got to hit some points for sure. Sure, of course. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm a huge fan. Before this one, I, I liked Nailbiter and Arbor Demon quite a bit. I appreciate that. I, I'm a monster guy, so yeah, yeah. Nailbiter was just a fun romp, and surprising. Um, I won't. And, we'll, and I've been and I've been trying to make a sequel to that for years, and it and it's uh, been a little frustrating, uh, <laughs> but. But it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, it comes down to money. And, and uh, <laughs> so right. we've never been able to make a sequel. And so I'm, well, I'm now I'm thinking of I'm doing I think I've, I've written the script like twice at this point. So it's like now we got, I, I, I have a different idea that I want to try to tackle for the sequel. But we'll see what happens. And Nailbiter, if well, you want to give a I don't think I don't know if Sean saw that one. If you want to give a brief synopsis on that one. Uh, it's basically like a, a mom and her, and her three daughters, and they get caught up in a kind of a Kansas tornado and have to take shelter in a cellar. Mm -hmm. And a tree falls in the cellar door, and then all of a sudden they're trapped inside, but then there's something not human in the basement, uh, the cellar that they're they're staying in. And so the tornado is the least of their worries. Uh, <laughs> and, we, you know, I, I could talk for hours on the making of that movie because that movie took like four years to make. Oh, my God. No joke. Yeah. Um, I think we started shooting in 2009, finished shooting in 2010, did post through 2011, and did festivals in 2012, and then it was released in 2013. I saw it back so, then. I, I actually, yeah, I, I, I mean, it was, it was a crazy experience. And it's each feature I've done, I've tried to uh, shorten the amount of time from production to post production to getting the movie released. And so um, They Wait in the Dark is one of those movies where we shot it last June, almost exactly a year ago. Wow. Um, to, the, to this day. And it has taken me almost exactly a year. We've got our festival uh, festival premiere is set for August. And uh, we've gotten a couple uh, distributor offers already. Nice. So, you know, and I, some of that is just experience of making a movie. It, you, you find a way to kind of... Uh, eliminate some of the uh, hurdles that you had on the first movie, if that makes sense. No, no, like, we, there were totally, a lot of things. yeah. I mean, Nailbiter was kind of like, I mean, I went to film school at, at the <laughs> University of Kansas, <laughs> but Nailbiter was true film school in that regard. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, I think I, in that re regard, I've gotten maybe uh, stronger as a director and just been able to figure out how to move faster. And, um, I mean, Arbor Demon, on the other hand, that movie took... Um, from writing to release, that one took about two, two and a half years, probably. That um, one, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, that one, um, my wife isn't always impressed by horror movies because I torture her with them. But the, the end of that one, I, I'm not going to say anything, right. but wow. I mean, that was completely different. Yeah, it is. It was my, you know, I, Friday the 13th has always been one of my favorite horror movies of all time. So okay. I've always wanted to make a woods set horror movie, but I wanted to do it a little differently. And you so did, that's why we decided to kind of that, the vantage point that we took on that movie was something that I felt was uh, a lot different. And we shot that in Charleston, South Carolina. Oh wow! Uh, originally, we wrote that movie to be taken to take place in the Ozarks in Missouri, because that's obviously three hours from where I where I live. And um, just through financing and all all those sort of things, we moved it to Charleston. And that whole movie was shot in 12 days. Oh, my God. Um, wow. Half of it was in the woods and half of it was on a soundstage. Okay. 
Um, and it was tricky. You know, that, that was a, uh, a fast schedule for me because Nailbiter seemingly took forever. <laughs> I was like, if I add up all the days that we shot on that movie, I'm like, I don't even want to know. What, um, I'll tell you what I liked about Nailbiter that stands out, um, even if somebody doesn't like monster movies, um, you put the fear of family in there yes. and all yes. all women there's not even a man to protect them I, women are gonna hate me for saying that but yeah. um all women and that is your strong point you write very strong female characters yeah and you know i don't know if it's because i mean obviously i didn't have kids at the time but now i have a wife and two daughters so uh, i'm surrounded i'm oh, surrounded and my two you. cats i have two female cats so i'm like the lone uh, male oh organism in my house at this point. Uh, Sean, so, Sean. You know, and I, I was raised by strong women, and I, I've always just felt like that. You know, you look at movies like Aliens or yes. just about just about every James Cameron movie has strong female lead characters. True. And he slept, um, but he did sleep with quite a few of them, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is true. Oh, boy. Um, but I, I find it more interesting, I guess, as an approach. Uh, but yeah, uh, Sean and you have a lot more in common than I, I knew um, uh, with the uh, female presence in the house. <laughs> but yeah, he's surrounded. As we speak, Sean, right now you have what, two dogs in your lap? Well, I have uh, two, two. There's two female dogs here at the house and one male. And then I have, uh, we actually have two cats as well. We have a female and a male cat. And, uh, and then, uh, well, my daughter no longer lives with us. She's about to turn 21, but she lives oh, yeah. in Pittsburgh. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of female presence in my life. Indeed. And I feel like, as far as I feel like, female-driven horror movies are, are more interesting to me uh, from a as a director for me personally. Yeah, yeah some of the better um, ones. Yeah, I mean, and that's why they wait in the dark, which I wrote I wrote during the pandemic, um, mm -hmm. and then. Uh, we decided to shoot it in June of 2021, and it was like we had that weird gap in the summer where there was, you know, people were getting vaccinated, and then Omicron or Delta wasn't a thing. So everybody, we were, we got that nice little window where we were able to shoot for a couple of weeks, um, and uh, you know, we shot it mostly around Topeka, Kansas. Uh, so it was maybe three days in Kansas City, Missouri, and then we uh, drove an hour and a half to Topeka. Because I found that farmhouse that the movie takes place in. Oh, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, for me, I always wanted to make a haunted house movie. and mm -hmm. But I never wanted, you know, I didn't want to make the same old, same old. And I always, whenever I watch a haunted house movie, I'm like, why are these people not leaving? <laughs> you know, most of the time, like for the exception, like Poltergeist yeah. is an exception because yeah, they, they have to speak to their daughter through the television. She's missing. Right. Right. So they can't leave the house. Yep. But I mean, most haunted house movies, I'm like the second some stuff go, it gets weird. I'd be like, all right, we're moving. That is a, a big problem for me with a lot of horror <laughs> movies where I, and Sean has heard me talk about this more often than not, where like someone gets murdered and but the kids are still partying, you know? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So, the, so for me, the challenge is writing a story and I will I'll, I'll kind of give the basics of the plot, but. I, it's it's a mom and, and her adopted son on the run and they come back to her hometown and they're staying in her her uh, childhood house in the in the country kind of away from town she's hiding out from her ex-girlfriend who's you know kind of the antagonist of the story Judith so there's is, that Judith el there's an element there <laughs> there's that element there where she's chasing them and trying to find them and then they're inside this house where they start having some supernatural stuff happening so 
I felt like my idea was to pin the lead at the lead character in a situation where she can't leave and she and she she can't she's stuck. There's a threat inside the house and there's a threat on the outside of the house. Very, that well, makes yeah, sense. very well done. It makes yeah, like Jaws. You you got to bring people to the shark. The shark is not going to go to the island. You know, right, yeah. right, right. So, so yeah. um. You know, and I was like, okay, how do I, I write I, something that can be done in like a short period of time during a pandemic? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, I have to admit, and again, we don't want to give away spoilers, but I, I was, I was kind of shocked by the little, the little twist there. I think mm. because um, I was, I was kind of expecting to go down a different path with the threat that was in the house. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, yeah. and then. Yeah, yeah, that seems so. to be that seems to be the general reaction I've received from people watching the movie, and it's like that's all about like dangling a carrot over here, you know, with this particular part of the plot, and then people don't even think about this until it it happens. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of all misdirection and stuff, and I hope that people continue to watch the movie and be surprised without without giving anything away. Um, but I'm I'm most I'm most uh, proud of the uh, the actors in the film that did such a wonderful job. And we did that whole thing in 12 days. And um, I had worked with Sarah McGuire, who plays the lead. Amy, yeah. Uh, yeah, I had worked with her on several short film projects, and she actually had a small role in I Am Lisa. And then I did two short films with her that um, Blood Disgusting uh, picked up for their Bloody Bites TV show. So they've been <laughs> kind of circulating on Pluto TV and Screenbox and stuff. So... I wrote this specifically for her, for her, you know, as kind of a showcase because I knew that she's like that good that she can basically carry a whole feature. She did, yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, all the rest, all the casting was done out of Kansas City, actually. But to be honest, Lori, who plays Judith, yeah, um, she is originally from. Uh, we were always kind of in the same circles in Lawrence, Kansas, which is where I went to college. Um, and she and I had never worked together. Oh, wow. She, she was, she was always like, Hey, when are we going to work together? And I was always kind of like, okay, I got to find the right project. (laughs) Well, she had moved to Atlanta. I think she just did a, she had a small role recently in that new father of the bride. Oh, really? Yeah. That's on HBO max. And it was funny because she wrapped her shoot on father of the bride and drove like literally left that day and drove 12 hours to. To, uh, actually, I think she might have flew. Oh she, I, but she she basically didn't sleep. She got she got to Kansas City for the first day of shooting on on the movie. That's amazing. So uh, yeah, so um, so it was just a really it was a pleasure, and I worked with my normal um, production crew, and uh, so we have kind of a shorthand psychic connection at this point. You know, mm. a lot of I worked with all of them during Nailbiter, and so it's been years and years of of uh, us working together and i think that's why we're able to move as fast as we can because mm-hmm. there's not like i don't have to they don't have to decipher what i'm what i'm trying to explain and vice versa you know that's awesome and we, we are talking about now she, judith was played by laurie Catherine winkle is that the correct correct yeah correct and correct. now now she's one of the major players she was pretty ruthless um amy was played by like you said Sarah McGuire and then you got Adrian um you broke uh, one of the biggest rules and um when I, I talked to a lot of horror uh directors and uh you used a kid in one of your features and they say don't use kids and animals <laughs> well here's here's he was, what he, he's amazing here's here's what kind of uh broke the mold on that for me I did a family film 
uh, in two th- and it was released in 2019. It's on Peacock right okay, now. It's cool. called it's called Belong to Us, and it's kids and dog and a dog. And so it was like, well, I'm gonna dive headfirst into this. Yes, you. Yes, <laughs> so, you did. <laughs> and uh, um, because of that, I wasn't as scared, perhaps. But uh, Patrick McGee, who plays Adrian, comes from a family of actors. His grandfather is one of the more uh, prolific theater actors here in town has also done a lot of film. Wow. So he was like, I, it was so funny. It was like four o'clock in the morning. We're still filming and I'm like dragging at this point. And this kid's just still like, he's drinking Coke and he's just like zipping <laughs> around. He's got all this energy. Like he basically was outlasting all of us. And I, you know, and I'm mean, honest, he was, he was eight or nine when we were filming and I was concerned. I mean, I was concerned that, you know, he was, um, by four o'clock, he was going to be like, I'm, or by two o'clock, he was going to be like, I'm done. I'm done. Instead, it was the opposite. We were all like, okay, we, we have like four more hours. Can we make it through? And he was just like, I could do this for another 12 hours. <laughs> so, uh, he was wonderful to work with. And then I had an actress named Paige Maria who yeah. played the uh, best friend. She's kind of, she was, this was her first film. So, uh, really? Yeah. And it's so funny because now she just got back from doing a big, Harry Potter commercial at Universal Studios, oh you know, it was like 10 day shoot. So now she's, she's kind of, she's, she's doing great. <laughs> she was great. Uh, great supporting at, again, another film by you with uh one, two, three, four strong female leads, I guess. There's yeah. th- three. I can't, I don't want to say too much, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah just amazing. And um, I didn't miss uh, guys being in charge. I just really didn't. Yeah. Well, I would say like I had to see, I had, that scene outside of the gas station with Lori and, and those two guys, which was possibly one of the most fun scenes to shoot because those two, those two actors had worked with me for over a decade. And I'm just like this, they were, they were doing a lot of ad living. So there are like other alternate takes where I'm like, Oh man, if I could just cut this together into a separate, a separate thing, you know? But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really pleased with how it turned out. And obviously it's a slow burn. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, generally, I mean, I've screened it for some industry people, and the reaction has been very positive. Oh, cool! So um, I'm happy about that. And they say, you know, they, they're like, you took a unique approach to a well-worn story. I mean, in terms of haunted house movies and stuff. So yeah. I was just trying to, you know, go in a different direction from the usual. Uh, haunted house movie because i've watched mm-hmm. a lot of haunted house movies in yeah, my life so me too. um and uh but some of my favorites are the ones like i mean poltergeist is probably my top top 10 horror movies of all time it's you know? great um i like house of the devil that's a newer favorite oh i like that movie a lot yeah yeah, yeah. and that's... his new movie x was excellent i thought too. Oh, i don't think i saw that yet um, that's the new ty west movie okay um yeah i think it's on so, netflix no... i'm not sure um, but yeah, you know, generally speaking, our schedules are very, very quick. I mean, with the exception of Nailbiter, which felt like an endless marathon <laughs> um, of yeah. years. I mean, at one point we had to stop shooting. We had shot two thirds of the movie and we had to take a year off to raise more money. So, I mean, that's just the reality of independent filmmaking. And I had to get more money to raise for the monster effects, which we were, you know, I had the book, the creature effects stuff is currently in my storage room in my house. <laughs> so, um, nice. you know, and, 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 you know, uh, belong to us, which was a family movie because we had dogs and kids ended up being more like a 17 day shoot, which is still short. 
Um, but um, but they wait in the dark was 12, 12 days, and and that's without any pickups. That was just twelve days with just straight through. And um, luckily, I cast actors who were able to nail things in two or three takes. You know, that's kind of the the key is to get actors to come in and and so you don't have to sit there and constantly redirect and redirect. Um, you know, you don't have time for that. You don't have time for eight, eight or nine takes. Right. And the, so, yeah, the budget too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, Sean, I don't see your bearded face here. Are you still with us? Do we lose? I am still with you. <laughs> there you I are. actually do have a question. I was waiting for go. a good opportunity to break oh, in. But you got Patrick, it. Patrick, earlier you mentioned about film school and, um, actually I have two questions, but about film school, I, I wanted to have a sort of a long form question. If I look at your IMDb, it says you're the director of 72 features. No, that's producer of, 72 producer short of, films, probably. <laughs> yeah, producer of 64, writer of 47, editor of 34, oh assistant God. director on 9, art department on 5, actor on 3. My point is, when you go to film school, are you learning all these things? Or, or is this um, a way to keep production costs low when you're when you're producing as an as an independent artist as an independent filmmaker or you know how 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 what's the process of breaking into if somebody were want, wanting to break into this field um obviously film school seems like the natural way but you know what does that entail what um, when you when you come out of school wh what are you prepared for I always tell people film school is what you make of it. Like you can go through film school and like just kind of coast, you know, and mm -hmm. I decided early on to, to, there were, you could tell the people who really are serious about it and really want to make movies. And you just have to kind of partner with those people and go out every weekend and shoot something. And, and uh, you know, I was in film school to, uh, I, I graduated in 2002. So it was right around the time where, digital was taking over like we were still shooting 16 millimeter film at, 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 in film school but then mini dv and digital was starting to kind of become a thing and so you could just go to walmart and buy mini dv tapes and find a you know shoot a movie over the weekend and, and train yourself and so um i think the last semester of uh, film school i i got credits for just making short films on my own it was it was kind of it was independent study so I always tell people, you just got to go out and do it, you know, and I know it's hard and it's gotten easier in terms of finding equipment where, where it's, you know, gotten more complicated is how do you stick out? How do you make something now that gets it, grabs people's attention? Because there's a glut of, of, uh, projects now that just kind of come out of, you know what I'm saying? Like there's mm -hmm. so much content. How do you stick out? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. You know, people always say, well, you know, it's easier to make a movie now. And I said, it's easier maybe from a technical standpoint. It's harder now to distribute, continue, to continue to make movies because mm. you have to find a way to make a career out of it. And, that, and in order to do that, you have to make something that grabs people's attention yeah, so and, you can get to the next thing. Exactly. So, so I was going to ask you that, Patrick. Um, you bankroll basically like George Lucas did bankroll it for your next film and, and so on. Oh God, no! I what well, I so <laughs> I you know it's so funny. I, people ask me, they're like, Patrick, how do you how do you raise money for these movies? And I'm like, I don't know. It I literally a lot of it is. Here's an example. 
I, so much of it is just is just talking to people and, bec- and becoming friends with these people. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, genuine friends like, you know, you have to create relationships. And sometimes those relationships 10 years down the road will lead to a feature film. Yes. So, um, in it, you know, for example, They Wait in the Dark was financed by a good friend of mine. She and I have worked together since 2008. You know, wow. and so there's a lot. It, it's building those relationships and becoming genuine friend, friends with these people. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like uh, I'm not rich. I don't have a way of just bankrolling things myself. I have to go out and raise the money. And right now I'm raising money for my next film. And it's hard yeah, to do. Um, and it can be very frustrating and it can take a lot of time. And it can be one of those things where. You know, you question you question your 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 uh, sanity, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, um, you know, and it's it's always different on how a movie is, is financed. I do a lot of short films and sometimes an actor will reach out to me and say, you know what? I like your work. I want to put some money down for a, a short film. If you write a script, let's work together. Let's collaborate. Let's make this make this film. And that's happened to me numerous times. You're 100 um, percent. You're 100 percent on that. Um uh, most of the people that I got close with, uh, you know, between my co-hosts Sean, Heather, Taddy, before him, um, we were we were friends first, and then you just you kind of you, know, you trust each other. You don't. We try not to talk over each other, but he's right. not in studio this time, so we're probably going to talk over each other a little bit. But um, me and you, Patrick, have a. Um, this is how I found out about well who you were. I knew your films because I did watch them before I knew you, but um, we have a common friend in J.K. from J.K. Radio. Do you of remember? Course. You know him. Yes. I was on his show about eh, when he did it. It was probably about eight years ago, I think. Wow. Great, what a great yeah. guy. Great guy. Great guy. Great guy. And, you know, I think he and I, it's so strange. He and I always run into each other, always talk with each other. Um, and it's, it's, I think he met me in person for the first time at um, Crypticon, Kansas City, which ah. was like years and years ago. So, yeah, it's just one of those things where, those relationships lead to other relationships and that's kind of how it works. Everybody kind of wants a silver bullet when it comes to financing. They're always like, what's a button I push that money just shows up. But I'm like, <laughs> there is no button. And like in many ways, Kickstarter is hit and miss, you know, or Indiegogo. Like you can't, I, it works sometimes and other times it doesn't work at all. Um, and it just, I think it ultimately comes down to relationships. And it's funny because a lot of the people I know who've done Kickstarters always find somebody they know personally to either finish the investment at the last minute, you know, before they lose all their money. So that even that is based off of relationships, you know, and then, then people that you know who, who care about you will, in, will, will donate to those, to those, uh, Kickstarter, uh, campaigns. So I, in many ways, uh, relationships are the way to go. If you if you can't just make a movie and, and sit in your basement all day, you just can't. You got to go to go out and talk to people. Yeah, you got to market. You got to market yourself. Yeah, and you can't be a jerk. I always tell people like I I I'm telling. I always tell people rule number one: don't be a jerk. Yeah. Because you know I don't care who you are. I mean, if you make a movie that ends up being a major blockbuster, you can probably get away with being a jerk once, <laughs> you know, but like most people, you know, they, they, they're a jerk on their first movie and nobody ever wants to work with them again mm. and they can't get to the next movie. And it's always the first movie is hard, but I always tell people it's much harder to get to the second and third and fourth. It should get easier, but it never does. For some reason, it's always hard. I'm um, actually to raise money and what stuff. you just said. I believe I, um, 
somebody I just talked to. Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, there, there was a celebrity actually I heard on the radio talking about, um, yeah, how about the second one? Or how about the second season? You know, like for a show they have, they, they never know. Yeah. They never know. It's just right. It could just right. end, just end. And you're left open ended. Yeah. Did you do a definitive ending? And, you know, right. That sucks. Right. That part. And I, and I also tell people, I, I always tell people, especially coming out of film school, have have numerous skills to uh, contribute. Like, you know, I'm an editor on top of a director, you know, and, I, and a writer, but I, I do a lot of editing. And so that keeps me, there are times where, you know, you're doing a lot of, there's a lot of time, you know, between features where you're raising money mm-hmm. and you have to support your family. You have to be able to make money. Um, so I come on as a producer on commercials and, and, or, you know, and I, I edit. And so there are ways to, uh, pay your bills while you're doing this. Cause it, it's true. You, you have a lot of downtime between features, which is another reason why I make a lot of short films because I don't, I like to be creative. Mm-hmm. I don't like to just sit around, you know, and not have anything to work on. <laughs> I can believe ultimately, that. <laughs> ultimately, ultimately I want to be a, you know, I want to be creative. So because I get, I've gotten some flack from people who are like, "Why do you keep making short films, wasting your time with these?" And I'm like, "They're not mm, a waste of time for not. me because there are me scratching the the creative itch, so I don't go crazy." Because you've got a, you know, it takes a couple of years to raise money for a movie. Yeah, and believe um, me, uh, your wife knows that they you don't want to have idle hands because you'll drive her crazy. Mm, uh, I've got right, one of those, right. believe me, and she's been very supportive. But when you're not being right. creative. You're, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she, like, she's a very creative person too. So she gets it. Good. Um, and we, we, she and I met, uh, working at a TV studio in Lawrence, Kansas. So, um, and she does, she does acting and stuff. So she's like around, around it all and understands it. It's not like she's, you know, um, completely away from it and doesn't get it. So, um, <laughs> that helps. That helps. Um, definitely. But, uh, but yeah, no, I always so, tell people you do everything's relationship based in this business. So just, you know, don't be a jerk, don't burn bridges <laughs> and uh, and then you'll be able to keep moving forward. Indeed. I think that's important no matter what industry you're in cuz you know, yeah. like Pittsburgh, think about it, it's a pretty small market and um, you know, a lot of people, you never know who knows who mm-hmm. and who talks to who. So that's always important like you said to never burn bridges. Um, you mentioned Lawrence, Kansas a couple of times. And Dave, I don't know if you remember this. We actually have a connection to Lawrence, Kansas. Oh, my God. We uh, do. This, is a, this is a music related question. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, yeah. And Patrick, you said that you were uh, 80s and 90s uh, music fan. I wonder if you remember the band from Lawrence, Kansas back in the 90s called Paw. Oh, you know, here's you, you, this is going to blow your mind. <laughs> a member of Paw no. is a close is a close friend of mine and pr- was a producer on Arbor Demon. Okay, that explains cool. a lot because they do soundtrack music for horror movies. Every well, night. He, Grant Fitch mm-hmm. is a, was a member of Paw. Okay, and he yeah. uh, was a still photographer on Nailbiter, and then he moved to Charleston, South Carolina, and he was instrumental in uh, making that movie happen. So he was a producer on on Arbor Demon, or it was Enclosure when we shot the movie. And there's a backstory of that whole name change. <laughs> um, short the short version is the distributor was like, we need an A title because it's going to show up 
it was 2017 and VOD, it was alphabetized. And they're like, we want an A title, and this is the title we're picking. So I didn't really have any say in that. Um, anyway, back to Grant. So Grant, um, Grant is a great guy, and yeah, he's he was a member of PAW. That's amazing. So it's funny how that that works. Full circle. <laughs> yeah, we had uh, one of our favorite episodes. It was pretty early for Sean, I think. It was uh, Godzillionaire, who was the basically the. Uh, uh, what do you want to say? The birthing of Paul. Uh, you got the lead singer, and uh, but they they did a, a song for a horror movie called uh, "They Come Knocking," I believe it's called. And um, we had just interviewed them, and okay. the next day I, I watched the movie, and don't you, I hear them playing in the background? I immediately went back to the bass player, like you didn't tell us we we do horror movies and music, and he just go, <laughs> he, and Sean, Sean will remember this. He, he the, the the bass player just goes, "You didn't ask." <laughs> Well, and Grant, Grant has been um, – so Grant was, became a producer on a show called The Inspectors, which you'll see is on my IMDb. I was okay. a writer in a, on uh, seven episodes of that TV show. It was a CBS Saturday morning's kid show. Uh, <laughs> and I ended up directing a couple episodes. So Grant and I go way back, and you know, he, he lived in Lawrence, and then he moved to Charleston. And I think he's still in Charleston as, of, as we speak. So um, very cool. Very cool, right. Yeah, so we – we actually, as Dave alluded to, we interviewed uh, Mark and the rest of the band Godzillionaire, which is Mark's new band. And as you might know, you know, Mark was the lead singer of Paw. So, you know, it's just funny how there's those little connections like that that kind of, you know. It's a small world, which then mm -hmm. obviously yeah. definitely drives home the idea that we have to be kind to each other because yeah. you'll, always, yeah. you'll always bump into somebody years later you know and um you never know when a production assistant is going to become your boss on something you know oh, well put yeah <laughs> yeah uh now they wait in the dark i, I want to get into a few points here with you know okay. if we do uh spoil some things i'll go back and edit it but um i have to say all right so you you kind of made it is a it's a horror movie but it's also a road movie because you have crazy judith who is coming looking for them sure Sure. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, there's uh, some road instances there, too. But I, I there's a shot when it was a, a scene where Judith um, has that moment of discovery at the diner. Very clever shot with the picture, yeah. the picture hanging up by the, the waitress, um, yep. uh, Jenny, who is friends with the very girl that Judith That's, is looking yeah. for. <laughs> right. right. That, that was so clever uh, and so simple at the same time. Yeah, I, you know, for me, like, the trick uh, of writing this movie was, for me, like, silent communication, you know? It, and I think that early on when you're, write, when you're writing a screenplay, you tend to try to over-explain things. And for me, hmm. the trick with a, this particular movie was, I'm like, how do I communicate everything without saying it? You know? And I think that's that's why a lot of people... I think it would do them good to write a screenplay where there's no dialogue and they have to get that, communicate the idea with images, mm -hmm. you know? And for me, like it was always like, I'm always taking a dialogue out of a script versus putting it in. So, cause I'm trying to find a way to um, not over explain things. So the audience is smart, you know, and they'll figure <laughs> it out. And so it's easier for me to just, uh, let the actors do the talking with their performance and, and, you know, visual communication so that whole scene was uh a lot of fun to shoot it was funny because uh, man i think that was like the second day of production maybe third maybe third day of production um 
and uh, I found this really cute diner. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? Minutes, it was 10 minutes from my house. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, a little pink diner. What is it? Nell's? Yeah. Nelly's? What? Yeah, and it was completely hidden. If you drive, you could drive past it and never see it. So it's kind of tucked away. And um, mm. it was funny because I had reached out to all these other diners that had been used in Kansas City. And either, either A, they told me they weren't making any, letting any films come in because of the pandemic. Right. Or B, they had been burned by other productions. Oh, wow. I didn't want to have any more films being filmed there. Wow. So I, it forced me to go That's drive nice. around and kind of like Google diners in my area. I live in the, the north part of Kansas City, which is... Um, about 10 minutes from the airport, uh, 15 minutes from downtown. So I had to kind of just drive around and find places that I thought were going to work. And that diner was perfect. Um, it was. And it just, yeah, I didn't have to do any art direction. And, that, and that's another thing. The house is a character in the in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, and it's supposed to be um, abandoned. And it's funny because it was. Like, this is a house that was, and I think they've renovated it since we filmed there. They were actually renovating it as we were filming so we were playing kind of like this game of like i gotta film this kitchen scene because the guys are putting in new cabinets tomorrow oh my god so like, <laughs> yeah it was scary because i'd be like all right did we get everything in the kitchen that we needed because tomorrow this kitchen is not going to look like this and and sure as heck i i would i showed up the next day and it looked like a brand new kitchen oh no <laughs> so i mean those are the kind of things and but but it was one of the things where um and, and that's another uh, situation where the owner of that house I became friends with on Nailbiter because I used her home in Leewood, Kansas as for the finale where there, there's the, um, yeah. the pregnant, the pregnant lady. And, and, and um, it's basically that, that little finale in the movie mm -hmm. in this, in that neighborhood. And I became friends with her and stayed friends with her. And then when I had this movie where I'm like, I need a house in the middle of nowhere that's, that looks that's got stuff in it because it can't be something that's completely unfurnished. Yeah. Otherwise you got to rent or haul furniture to this location. And she's like, I've got the perfect thing. I'm trying to sell this house. <laughs> and it was a house that had been abandoned in like 2005. And, um, so it was kind of a weird thing where again, that relationship that I started in 2009 was leading back, you know, was helping me in 2021. And it, um, it came complete with a pentagram in the basement. <laughs> that I did add. That wasn't there before. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that was true. <laughs> but but it was funny. There was that base, that cellar, man. Oh my god, we were we were down there for a while. And there was like giant snake skins, and I'm like, all right, Whoa. cool. Where's the actual snake? You know, it, it was creepy. Um, I'd be terrified. <laughs> so um, and you know, it's funny because the cellar and nail biter we kind of designed because it was. Um, we filmed the cellar scenes in Nailbiter in a building that was used for Carnival of Souls. No way. Carnival of Souls was partially made in, mostly made in Lawrence, Kansas. I did um, not know that. Yeah. It was partially shot. It was maybe two thirds of it was shot in Lawrence and some of it was shot in Park City, Utah. Um, the director lived in Lawrence. He worked for a, um, uh, Herc Harvey was his name. And he worked for, um, he made like industrial films. And that studio that they made the industrial films was my headquarters for KU. That was the studio that I that the film school was at. It has, it has since been torn down. It got torn down like last year, um, after years and years. But uh, so the the cellar that we used for Nailbiter was basically like the cellar of this 
factory where they made organs, oh musical God. organs. Oh, okay. Jeez. Not not organ trafficking, but like, <laughs> but, wow. but like the, the musical instruments. So we shot in that cellar because I was like the limestone and everything down there and all this stuff. I was like, if we shoot this, it needed to be bigger than an actual storm cellar. Otherwise, we couldn't fit the camera camera equipment down there. So I like tried to make it look smaller than it actually was it was mad it was huge oh my god yeah yeah, yeah. that was very claustrophobic in that one um as, yeah. well you made it claustrophobic where the one in um in your last one man that was a claustrophobic basement was it really as yeah, small as it appeared fit, like yeah we can only fit the actors and maybe three crew people yeah okay um okay. the audio guy the audio guy had to lob up the actors and go upstairs because there was no room and i'm hiding behind the air conditioner in every shot <laughs> so hopefully i'm not peeking out i hopefully i have to look at those shots again i think with the color correct correction you can't see me but i was like literally just right there <laughs> so um but yeah i mean again locations are very important and when you're making an independent film you can't have locations that are super spread out because for instance like when we were doing i am lisa i had a bookstore to film in the bookstore was um right by the movie theater where we had a scene and a block away from her, the girl's apartment in the movie. Mm-hmm. Cause, and I, Cause I knew that I had to get all that shot shot relatively close in schedule. So I'm like, we can't be driving 40 minutes to another location. You have to think, okay, we have to, we have to basically move the entire crew, maybe one block, <laughs> you know, and that, and that's yeah. the thing you have to think about because you don't have a lot of time to make an independent film. Um, so you have to think in terms of strategically, where do I, where are my locations so that I, I'm not doing these long company moves across town and losing a lot of momentum. Right. And you have That's to think, and, and you I... have to think, oh, is, is there a food place to deliver food? Because <laughs> you have to eat lunch at some point, you know, craft services. Exactly. <laughs> I, I wanted to mention about your new film and I am Lisa, cause those are the two that I've seen, but they were beautifully shot. I thought that. Um, you know, I, it, it, it was, you know, to me, when I look at a, a, an independent film, such as the ones that you have done that I mentioned, right. Compared, compared to a big budget film, right. Just that, and I'm saying like, I, I'm, I, I'm assuming it's the cinematography, but it's, it was just beautifully shot. I don't know how else to put that. Um, yeah, I mean, I use it. Uh, my DP's name is Hahnemann Brown Eagle. Um, Hahnemann <laughs> Brown Eagle. What was that? And he and I have worked together since 2005. And he's originally from Lawrence. He lives in L.A. now. Um, when we shot I Am Lisa, he still lived in Kansas City. Mm. When we did They Wait in the Dark, he had to drive his entire grip truck from Los Angeles to Kansas to, to this area. So, um, yeah, he and I, again, we've worked together for so long, it's like, I just look at him and he goes, he knows what I'm thinking. So that helps. Um, and he's just super talented. He's just been, he's, he's, a, he's great to work with. He shot nail biter. He did not shoot Arbor demon because mm. I was out of, I was, I was a fish out of water making that movie. Cause I was in Charleston and, um, we had to hire a different DP. So there was a lot of things that, um, were, were different on that movie. I found that, um, I found that beautifully shot. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, both, I think all of those movies, luckily, have been shot well. Um, it's interesting because I Am Lisa is probably is a lot lower budget, um, way lower budget than Nailbiter, way lower budget than Arbor Demon. Um, we had less than I think 
we shot the movie for seventy five thousand dollars, and wow. then we had to, then we had to do post production. Um, I mean that's absurd. <laughs> I tell people that I tell people that in in Hollywood, and they're like, I can't even park the cars for seventy five thousand dollars, you know. <laughs> Um, and they wait in the dark. I, I won't discuss budget on that film, but, but yeah, very, very, we were, we were able to do a lot with very little. And some of that is just years and years of practice. Granted, I want to have a bigger budget. Don't get me wrong. I always tell people, I'm like, look, just because I can make a movie for a very shoestring budget doesn't mean I don't want to make a movie for a higher budget. Um, I think I could definitely get more out of, I, more bang for your buck more, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Um, but uh, I think there's a it's interesting because I, I see a lot of these directors who um, graduate to higher budgeted movies and they seem to be they seem to you look at Sam Raimi, for instance, mm-hmm. the guy started off making movies with with no money and he has done well in terms of moving up to higher budgeted films. I, I think if you started a big budget movie and then you have to go backwards, it's much harder. <laughs> um I think that it's funny because I think James Gunn actually said something like where where he's like making Guardians of the Galaxy, which I'm sure is, was absurdly difficult, was actually easier than some of his lower budgeted movies. Because, you know, when you're making a, a, a massive studio movie, yes, all of the pressure is on you if it's if it fails. Mm-hmm. But you're shooting like what, two pages a day? You know, I do know. I mean, there were days on Dayway in the Dark. I'm like, we have to shoot 10 pages today, guys. So let's keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and so the mindset is different. And, you you know, I'm also a producer on the movies. I'm also editing the movies. I'm also helping create the schedule and, and making sure that, you know, everything runs smoothly. I didn't have a first AD on Day Wait in the Dark because we couldn't afford one. I have had them on all my other features. This time I was like, look, let's just bypass that. And I will just make sure that we don't get off schedule. And so I'm always thinking in the back of my mind, I'm like, all right, we have 25 shots left in, in this day. We can't be messing around. Let's keep this, keep this moving. Um, and that's not to say that we, we have a lot of fun. Like it's a lot of fun making these movies. I could tell, um, I could tell that. Yeah. I, it, everybody has a blast. And I think that's why people keep coming back to work on these because if it was a miserable experience, I, I wouldn't have been able to make these films and, you know? and keep making them. Um, yeah. All right. So Jenny, who was played by Paige Maria, is that how you say? Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, what's the girl's name that played Lisa? Cause she was adorable. And I think she was like very strong. And I am Lisa. Yeah. Uh, Kristen Vaganos. Okay. Like I just found them both very, um, strong and appealing and, uh, yeah. carried their weight, carried the movies too. Cause like you have these lead women and then you turn and like, you have a, a girl like Jenny, who's just, I thought was going to be yeah. peripheral. And man, does she come out swinging, you know? Yeah, yeah. And both, I mean, I can't say enough good things about Kristen Vaganos. I talk to her almost weekly. Um, I think I friended and I'm, her. I'm always trying to get her on films that are being shot in Kansas City. So <laughs> I'm like, hey, are you guys looking for an actress? You should look at her, you know? And, and um, she uh, she's just super talented and super chill. And that's the thing I, I, I liked about her. She and I kind of immediately uh, could read each other's minds and um yeah she was just fantastic to work with and and same thing with with Paige. i mean this was her first movie and she was telling me and maybe she doesn't want me to ever tell it tell the story but too late i'm gonna tell it um her first day of filming was at the diner 
Oh, wow. And she was so nervous. But she didn't tell me this until we were done filming for the day. And she told me how nervous she was. She was in her car, just really kind of like scared. And I was like, you nailed it. Like you seemed like this, this was your 10th movie. Like, and Uh that's, I think that's the thing is um, some actors just have that natural talent and it, you know, it's just a a gift that they have. and, And I think that she has that. So, and again, she was super chill and, you know, there was good camaraderie. I think camaraderie is super important because your guys, it's like summer camp. When you make a movie, you have to kind of, everybody has to get along and hang out with each other and being around each other for long hours. And so I always can tell when we wrap and everybody's still hanging out. Like we, because we were filming outside of Topeka, which was out in the middle of the country, mm-hmm. we were in downtown Topeka for a, our hotel. And afterwards, everybody would go to the roof. And this is funny because, we were doing overnights for a lot of these days. So we'd start filming at 5 p.m., get back to the hotel at 5 a.m. Oh, man. And people are still like, hey, I got some beer. Let's go hang out on the roof. I'm like, cool. <laughs> you know, and, and so um, uh, that's a good sign. It's, it, you know, it's it's, it's definitely because um, then people just are willing to work harder for you. I always tell people, you know. If you're if you've got no camaraderie and people are jerks and nobody's having fun, mm. people are just trying to get through the day, you know, and making a movie is, is so hard anyway. And it's like if you have good camaraderie, people put in a hundred hundred and ten percent into what they're doing, you know. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I make Sean drink beer when he comes over here. So <laughs> I've been drinking wine during. I've been drinking wine while we've been well, while we've been. On God bless this, you. So. God, yeah. God bless you for getting I've through been, it. I've been drinking. <laughs> I've been drinking bourbon while we've been talking. Oh, so. nice. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. You, yeah. Are you, che- you, you cheating on me, Sean? What's going on? And, and, in my Pittsburgh Pirates mug. Oh, very good. Very nice. good. That's nice. all right. That's yeah. all right. Yeah, you know, I'm actually not a Pittsburgher, but I, I've been here for so long, I, I should be. Uh, I'm from New York originally. Um, do you ever do any comic, con- well, no, conventions out on Long Island or Jersey? That's where JK was from, was uh, Jersey, uh, I believe. You know, I've been playing my films at the New York City Horror Film Festival ah. since 2005. I don't know, maybe 2004. Um, and I've gone like four or five times. Nailbiter uh, screened there. Um, I love that festival and I've, I've actually submitted, they wait in the dark. So fingers crossed, they take it. Um, but I've never done any conventions out there. Um, I'd like to, I'd love to. Um, you, you definitely know a lot of the people that, um, we know from conventions. I figured that's yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe Jay will put in a good word for me or something at one of these conventions if he's, but yeah, I always run it. I ran into him, I think at the New York city horror film festival. A few okay. years ago. That makes sense. Um, and, um, he and I always, if I go to Horror Hound, I bump into him there and such, you know. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, he's just great. He's got he's been doing doing some films, so um, really really happy for him. Yes. Hey, That's uh, awesome. David and Patrick, I mm-hmm. think I think we have a winning combo here. I think uh, David with your uh, writing abilities and Patrick with your ability to uh, bring bring uh, a, a production to life on film. <laughs> Dave, you, you clearly have a uh, story with uh, the new job I introduced you to. <laughs> yeah. With the, uh, you should 
we, that sounds like a horror movie made for film. So, well, if we combine that <laughs> with your bear story, we, we could definitely have you know. Well, the prophecy was that with the do you, do you guys know that movie, The Prophecy? It was one of Stephen King's favorite made-for-TV films about the the bear. That oh, prophecy, with, prophecy, yeah, which prophecy. was on HBO when yeah. I was a kid. There all you go. The time. Yeah, well, if we combine Sean's bear story and my hazardous waste, we'll let you direct yeah. it. Yeah, I always tell people about that movie because it was always it was always on HBO in the afternoon yes, for some reason. You are correct. I have the book. I have the novelization sitting behind me right now. <laughs> and wasn't it the guy who wrote the Omen book too that wrote that book? I believe you are correct. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, wow. And Fra- Frankenheimer directed that movie, which is crazy. It is crazy. There's a lot of celebrities in that too for the time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not the greatest um, film, but I like the idea. I love a good monster romp. Adma. That's why Ar- we're talking Armand to you. Dante is in that movie. I remember that. Um, uh, and, uh, but it's funny because I thought at first you meant the Christopher Walken movie. No, nah, no, no. <laughs> funny story. Funny story on that. I saw that in the theater and it was playing in a theater next to Tu Wong Fu, which was shot 20 minutes outside of my hometown in Nebraska. So my parents are like, we're all going to see Tu Wong Fu because it was shot, you know, really close to our, our hometown. I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to go to The Prophecy. So right. I went to The Prophecy while they all went to that movie. That's funny. Do they see your films? Or yeah. do you like your... Oh, yeah. Yeah, they do. They're they're probably my... I will say I have the most supportive family. And if I hadn't, if I hadn't had a, such a supportive family, I probably would have not ended up in film. I, I So mm. my mom always tells a story of how she had a nightmare that I decided to become a doctor so my family is very supportive and um and they they see everything i do and they sometimes come to the film festivals with me and stuff if they're around um kansas city or they live in nebraska still um so the omaha film festival is one that i i try to submit to as much as possible because i have a lot of family and friends who can make it to that one um yeah and that's a great film festival omaha um interesting and so uh, nail buyer screened there a few years ago, and I don't think I screened Enclosure Arbor Demon. It was Enclosure while it was on the uh-huh. festival circuit. They didn't change the title until oh, like maybe two months from release. Yeah, and, I, I just um, saw that 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 was the working title for a while. I just found that out not too long ago. So my thought is my thought is on that. So I was deeply crushed by that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in retrospect. I've kind of warmed up to it over time because that damn title is everywhere. And there's no other movie with a title that even comes close. Like the word Arbor. I think there's a horror movie called the Arbors that came out of like a year ago or two years ago. Yes. I got very confused by that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, but Arbor demon, like whenever I say, like I literally, you, it's no one's going to forget that title as awful as it is. <laughs> nobody's going to forget it. So, um, Enclosure, which was my title throughout all of production, um, they were kind of like, nobody knows what that means. And I was like, I mean, like, I'm like, well, I, I don't agree. But, you know, for me, Arbor Demon def- definitely must have attracted a bigger audience. And they were probably right on that. So I admit that maybe that that was maybe the good call, I guess. I think um, so, it's yeah. still it's still called enclosure in the UK. So <laughs> interesting. But it gets screened there and that's freaking cool as hell. Yeah. I yeah. love it. I love it. Um, we, you, you touched on this a little bit. Um, who were the strong women in your life that influenced you? Oh, my grandma, my grand, all my, my, my both my grandmas, uh, my mother, my aunts, um, my sister. They continue to 
uh, impressed me with their strength and in life and stuff. And, and, uh, they always have been, uh, deeply supportive in, in what I've done. And, uh, uh, you know, and obviously my dad's been one of the most supportive people in my life too. I don't want to say that, but I've always had a very strong infrastructure of women in my life. So, um, and obviously my wife who, um, is kind of the, the rock I lean on. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I, I feel like for me, like I'm just going to continue to tell stories with strong female protagonists and antagonists as well. And, and, um, uh, I'm hoping that, uh, I, so, Full disclosure, we're, we're raising money for a sequel to I Am Lisa just because the movie uh. did very well um, financially. And so we're trying to make a sequel. Um, the guy who wrote the script for the sequel was his name is Jimmy George. Um, he wrote the movie, co-wrote the movie uh, WNUF Halloween special, which is on Shutter. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, very, very talented writer. And so we have that kind of in the works right now. And then I'm also working on, I've got kind of a supernatural slasher movie that I, I co-wrote with the same writer I wrote Arbor Demon with. Um, it's called, and it's called Spine Tingler, which we'll see if that actually sticks, sticks to the title. <laughs> um, and then I'm working on tentatively a vampire movie that I really want to shoot, um, in Kansas city. So my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I I really want to do this vampire movie, but, um, it's right now. It's more of a nugget of an idea. I haven't really like, I am Lisa two and, and spine tingler have completed screenplays. So those, those, those movies are a lot further along in the process. Um, the vampire movie, I'm still kind of, uh, I guess figuring out exactly what the plot is going to be and all that. But, uh, it, it, it's uh, it's going to be I'm hoping a, a very original take on on vampires. Hmm. So um, and vampire makeup is much easier Come to deal with than werewolf makeup. I <laughs> <laughs> <How> bet. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because my favorite subgenre of horror is slasher, and it, it really is. It always has been, and I've never made a slasher movie. So I'm, because I'm always like, okay, what do I do? Like everything's been done, you know. And so I'm always trying to think. Someday I'm just going to have that aha moment where I'm like, wait a minute, that's it. I'm going to make that slasher movie. But uh, it's so funny because that's literally my, been my favorite subgenre since I was a kid. Like Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, all of those movies are my favorite. Um, but I have not touched the slasher genre because I'm like, maybe it's because I don't want to screw it up when I finally do it. So I'm always kind of been like trying to figure out a way to do it in a way that's never been done. Which is hard because it's been done so many times. Uh, do we lose? Oh, Sean, I, I keep hearing a beeping. Are you on life support? No, I'm still here. <laughs> I, I, keep, I, I, keep muting, I keep muting because, uh, oh, the you dogs. Know, like I mentioned, the, the dogs here, I try not to. Uh, I definitely don't want to interrupt uh, the, the progress we're making here because, you know, this, is, this has been a great interview. You're killing me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy's Patrick. killing me. Patrick, because yeah, like you are answering questions before I can give them. One of them was. Oh, sorry, uh, d- d- I kind of I warned you that I, <laughs> I definitely talk a lot. I no, <laughs> um, I was going to ask you seriously: Are you more into monsters than slashers? And you answered that pretty clearly. Well, uh, I mean, I'll watch any horror movie. I went and saw The Black Phone this last week, which I was really I really liked. Um, 
I mean, I'll watch anything horror related. Um, but for me, I get most excited for slasher movies. Like I was so excited for the new scream. Um, you know, yeah. I was 17 when the first movie came out. So I was just, it's been my, um, and it's one of those, uh, franchises that my wife and I agree on because she loves the scream movies arguably more than I do. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it's been, it's been, that's been fun, but like, yeah, I mean, Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, when I was a kid, you know, I, in the eighties, I was a kid and I was like, I was told never to watch those movies. And because of that, I was like, I have to find a way to watch these movies. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, USA network was kind of the way to go for that. Um, mm -hmm. yep. even though they were, they were cut to shreds, but, um, yeah, they were. <laughs> or trying to watch Cinemax. I remember specifically Friday the 13th part five was on Cinemax, but I didn't have Cinemax. But if I turned the dial just right, I could see it. <laughs> I couldn't hear it, but I could see it through the scan lines. That's oh, something man. that that's something that no kid <laughs> that's something no kid this this generation will ever no, have that no that uh, sense of I, I can see the movie through the scan lines, but I you know you're so right. <laughs> um, I, when I lived on uh, Long Island, uh, we uh, we were a test group for HBO when HBO first came out, and you had you had a dial little dial thing, and it was channel S yep. for some reason, and um. It, it, it didn't, yeah, it, there'd be a scrambler, and you couldn't, you had to turn the dial just right so you could watch HBO. Yeah, and it would make it, it would, it would make this doo -doo 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 sound <laughs> like while you're trying to watch it. Good stuff. Um, we had, we had HBO. I was lucky in that regard, but um, yeah, I just remember specifically watching Friday the 13th Part Five through the scan line. So basically, I watched it silent. Um, interesting. <laughs> wow, you know, that's interesting. And, and, you know, those are the things I remember, and unfortunately, they 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 had, fortunately and unfortunately, they had a, a real you know influence on me. Um, that's a good. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I mean, yeah, like those movies are almost like uh, comfort food. I'll put them on. I'm not even <laughs> watching them half the time because I've seen mm -hmm. them so many times. Um, but uh, well, Patrick, um, that's a perfect way to learn to write a script you basically were adding your own dialogue while watching that movie <laughs> right 30 part five yes I, I used to do that i I'm, I'm not i'm not shy about this when i was a kid and i didn't like how a horror movie ended i went and acted it out with either whatever toys i had i'd make my own sure. shooting script you know I, my action figures all got eaten by sharks constantly and giant yeah, an yeah. giant ants because i loved empire of the ants but yeah um it was a real thing and yeah so that you you kind of tested yourself by doing that that's awesome. Yeah, and you know, I, growing up, I mean, I lived in a small town in Nebraska, so I would do the same thing. I would, I would act out movies in my backyard. My neighbors probably thought I was a crazy, um, <laughs> they still crazy do. eight year old doing that. Um, and uh, you know, when I went to high school, um, we had our own channel. It was a very strange and very <laughs> unique situation wow. where the, the the high school in the middle of you know Nebraska has its own channel that everybody in town could get. It was Channel 99, and um, I kind of took it – I just kind of took the reins, and I just started making really crappy little videos that I would just shoot with my friends, and I would air them off of VHS on – and they would play on loop all oh day That's on the channel. And they, for some reason, <laughs> trusted me and let me do it. <laughs> you know, and, and I, none of them were inappropriate, but I just so strange that I had that kind of freedom to do that. And that was kind of like where I first got the bug, because at that point I was just like, all right, well, I'm going to I would walk into 
like my hometown bowling alley with my video camera and they'd be like, Oh yeah, we know what you're doing. Go ahead. Go ahead. You can go ahead and do it. I'm like, really? Okay. Wow. And you know, it's amazing that you had that kind of access. Yeah. The golf course, I would just walk and they'd be like, Oh, you're going to go film something on the, on our course. Aren't you? I'm like, yeah. They're like, go for it. (laughs) So, I mean, so all of that kind of is, is instrumental. If I had been discouraged, in any way from any, you know, by a parent or, or even, you know, a business owner, I, I probably would have taken a different route. So I'm fortunate that everything's kind of, um, I didn't go to LA. I did discourage myself from going to Los Angeles after film school. Cause, um, it, it was one of those things where because digital video was starting to become a thing, I just didn't feel like I needed to go to LA and I still don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, especially now where everybody talks on zoom and mm-hmm. it's like, what's, what's the point of, of, you know, existing there at this point, you know, um, I've got two kids, a house and I, I just, there's no way I, I could make it work. And I feel like I've made more movies by not living in LA, you know? Um, I understand that. I mean, maybe there's a multiverse version of myself that went out to LA and, uh, you know, it was directing for Marvel, but I don't know. Like, I think that this was the right path. So, um, we are currently, cause we are an iHeartRadio station. Now we also are under the, uh, another distributor called Electrocast, and, uh, okay. they give us our commercials and, you know, so it's like, it's, uh, this hobby of mine, it can become something after 15 years. And it's, it's kind of cool. I don't have to go to LA, but I talk to them all the time. Cause yeah, they zoom and we talk. I right. even interviewed one of them recently because he makes movies. Mark Netter. Um, Sean watched that one, too. That was a good one. Um, I do have a heavy question here for you because I always I, I always give rap uh, rap stars, rock and rap stars, this question. And it has, you know, it has to do with them being like on stage for you. Um, are there any strange production problems that you have met with and overcame or maybe you didn't overcome? Huh. Let me think about that. You know. It's not like you fell off the stage playing bass. We get a lot of that. I mean, for me, it's always a lot of the challenges that we face is weather weather related, probably more than anything. Ah, there, okay. You know, um, it was interesting because you know, with nail biter, I needed bad weather, and I never could get it. Um, Sean, are you torturing animals? What was that? Yeah. Anyway, no, I was I was walking downstairs. <laughs> Sorry, Patrick. <laughs> Um, I mean, the one thing that you can never control is the weather. And so I'm always kind of telling people, look, you know, you can make this perfect schedule and then there's a heat advisory and you're like, do we go film outside or do we not? Because with I am Lisa, there were several days where there there was a heat advisory and the the weather guy was like, don't go outside. (laughs) I mean, we're in July of in Missouri, which is like the sweltering humidity and, and, extreme heat and my production manager and I had to look at the schedule and we're like, if we move just one day, we lose that location and we'd lose our camera because our camera needed to be used for something else on our day off. We were going to try to move. So it's like this ripple effect, right? So the weather is one thing you can't control. And I always tell people it can be very challenging. And the nail biter was interesting because it was like, well, the weather was so nice that it became a problem because I was like, I need, I need bad, I need thunderstorm weather to get on camera, you know? And so you had to just kind of figure out a way to pivot. There's always, 
for me, it's like I do a lot of planning uh, on these movies. And most of it's because I just don't want to look like an idiot. I always tell people, like, well, I'm like, look, I got everything worked out. They're like, well, that's really I'm like, look, this is also that I don't look like a fool. And it also it's partially because when there is something that comes up, you can pivot. If you already if you don't have a plan for your day of filming and then some curveball gets thrown at you, hmm. you get derailed and like and stuff just kind of uh, goes goes awry. It's like a domino effect. Right. And then you got to like send so I, everybody back to their hotels. And right, right, right. Uh, and that, luckily, you know, I've never, yeah. you know, thankfully, I haven't had that happen. And and you just have to be able to have a way to pivot when you're on a feature. It's hard to cancel a day of filming because you have such limited time and people are only can devote a certain amount of time to your project. So you have to have a backup plan if for some reason you have a rainy day. Like this, there's a scene in, in They Wait in the Dark outside of the house uh, at night and mm-hmm. without giving too much away. Right. And it was like torrential downpour. <laughs> and I had to get this scene shot. So we just had to kind of, I mean, I kept, I remember we had our phones with the forecast and we're like, well, there's a little uh, there's a little gap here between the two red blobs oh, for us to film this one scene. <laughs> so you just have to kind of, it's it's almost easier with a short film because you have some short films are shot in two days, and so you're kind of like, well, if we cancel this one day, I only have to find another one other day to get this scene shot. But with a feature, it's like if I move this day, it it causes these eight days here to shift, which can cause so many problems so i always tell people like be careful of weather <laughs> and yeah. that's what you know i i try it's it, it, it just never fails i always manage to write a script that's set in the winter or um you know the middle of the summer uh, i don't know why i can't seem to write a script that takes place in spring when it's you know a little <laughs> bit more you know tolerable um but uh, you just kind of have to shoot when you when you can, you know. And sometimes you, you just have to deal with uh, the weather. But I mean, they, I am Lisa was stressful in that regard because we had a couple of days where I was like, we're in the woods, and it's a hundred and five in the in the shade. But the, the, you know, you just have to have lots of water. And we were luckily by a house that let us have our crew cool off and and sit. And I was like, when we need people bring them outside, but until then leave them indoors. So, um, so yeah, that's always a challenge because you can't control it. You have no way of controlling it, you know, and, um, you know, you schedule a movie a month out and then you're like, well, there's three days in a row where we're going to have thunderstorms and we're outside. So what do you do? You have to find a way to move things around and just be, um, smart about it. So, well, um, Sean, do you have something else for him? Because I do have one more, and then uh, we're gonna. I hate to wrap this up because I'm really enjoying this, Patrick. Thank you for doing this. Uh, well, there will be a next time. I, I, uh, so, I, Sean, I you as well. I, go ahead. No, I, I'm enjoy. I'm really enjoying this as well. But I, uh, I, I think I've, I think I've, I've exhausted all my questions. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you know, Patrick, you're very interesting, and we could you could just like talk forever, and we'd just listen, you know. <laughs> but we do, yeah, unfortunately. You know, <laughs> It's funny because I'll probably after we get off of this, I'll probably not talk at all for a couple hours. <laughs> I, <laughs> I judged a film festival last weekend here in town. They, oh, cool. they do like a, a 10 hour. They do like a 10 hour film festival where you make a movie in 10 hours. Oh, yeah. I know and, about those. Um, OK. 
it's funny how oh wow it's funny how the pandemic has made big gatherings a little bit more exhausting for me i don't know if it's just because it's like we have we didn't have as much we didn't have Uh, as much human interaction for a a year and a half anxiety now it's like i'll go to one of these things and i'm like chatting with people for hours and then i come home and the next day i'm like i'm not talking to anyone uh-huh. I'm not talking to my family. I'm not talking to anyone. Oh, no, no. Yeah, you get con- convention throat, I call it, where you just, you've been talking for three days straight at a convention. You don't want to talk anymore. Um, right, 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 right. I just, build up yeah. Energy, you know? I just, um, I did two uh, recently, <laughs> and um, I'm doing a big one, uh, the Mothman Festival in Point Pleasant, which is going to be huge. Uh, I am a little, I've got some anxiety about that, but it yeah. is, it's outside. I don't know. Uh, I just around yeah being around a lot of people and a lot of people have just not been behaving nicely uh but yeah you know conventions there's a little bit of yeah there's a little bit of uh everyone's just a hair off yeah you know yeah. i always tell i always say whenever i go through the mcdonald's drive through i'm thrilled when everything i ordered is in the bag everybody's just a hair off right now and i think it's gonna take some time you know to kind of get back to normal so yeah, that's so true. i mean i mean luckily for me really I, worked from, I, I worked from <laughs> home is. for i worked from home since 2010 so the pandemic wasn't a huge change until we got to the school year and my daughter had to do virtual the first semester virtual and mm-hmm. I was the one who had to get her through her classes. I'm like, I need to make a horror movie about that because that was horrible. You're not wrong. You know? You're not wrong. Teachers were tortured during that period. They yeah, really were. That was the worst yeah. couple months I've had. I mean, that I, it, luckily my daughter and I, are, you know, we have such a great relationship, but that was strained because you, I had to be the one to get her to get her homework done. And, you know, it was just, it was awful. Anyway, I, at some point, I maybe I need to make a, a uh, uh, virtual school horror movie of some kind. I don't know. <laughs> you should. Uh, they did Cooties, <laughs> which was, wasn't too bad. Elijah Wood. Um, all right. Well, just uh, sort of wrap things up here. Uh, just so you know, folks, uh, you're listening to Patrick Ray. That's R-E-A. And he's got several films. I say watch all of them. I don't know what he'll promote right now because we can't too, talk too much about They Wait in the Dark, but I think we did pretty good with it without spoiling yeah. anything, I, I think. Um, hopefully we get to see that on, on a big screen at some point. Um, and, uh, okay, so I'm at Fairly Dark on Twitter. Folks, if you want to, I, I, I'm going to say right now, I'm going to self-plug uh, Burning Bowl Publishing. You can get my book, Dwelling in the Dark. And it's all short stories. And uh, I'm going to say Patrick Ray will love it. I'm going to send him one. Um, and awesome. uh, yeah, KWR Kettlewhist Radio is on iHeart, like I said, and uh, Facebook. You can find all our new stuff and updates there. And Twitter, yeah, it is at Fairly Dark, but I, I don't, I haven't been using Twitter a lot because it seems like it's not really in a good place right now. I can't figure it out. Do you use Twitter? I don't, and that's the thing is, I have one, but yeah. I'll log out and not come back for like a year. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I'm very heavily on Facebook and Instagram, so yeah, Instagram um, too. Definitely look mm-hmm. me up there. Yeah, I got you. I think I have you there, but Instagram, yeah, we're kettle dot whistle dot radio. Um, pretty yeah. active there. Sean's on there too. Uh, Sean, you got anything else for Patrick? He's ba- uh, you're battling your dogs. No, no, <laughs> no. I, no I, actually, I don't. No, okay. I, I think this has been a great interview. I think the best interviews are always the one where yeah. you allow uh, the uh, interviewee to uh, 
really express themselves and uh, let you know, as you mentioned earlier, not 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 talking over them. So yeah, man, storytellers. I really appreciate storytellers. Yeah, it's very you're just a natural storyteller. So that's that's really cool. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So um, what's next for you then? Well, again, like I'm probably first of all, they wait in the dark is going to have its, and I can't say where, but it's going to have. <laughs> a couple festivals in August, uh, that are bigger festivals. And then we'll, we've already been, uh, reaching out to some distributors to try to figure out a home for it. Cause it's always trying to find the right fit. Um, and then I'm just working on, uh, you know, a couple features right now. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple short films right now. I'm circulating, uh, uh, film festivals as well. Um, so I've got a lot of irons in the, in, in the fire. Understandable, and, um, understandable. while also trying to, you know, raise two kids and <laughs> <laughs> who may or so, may not be allowed to see your films. You know, a lot of the times they're on set for them. And then, so it, <laughs> it, it has in some ways ruined the mystique, you know, of, uh, my oldest is just really into Marvel movies at this point. So I just mm-hmm. keep taking her to those. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm just working on raising money. It's always, that's always the part that, um, nobody likes to, think about but it's it's just you have to do it and so hopefully within the next few months i'll have enough money to start working on the next uh feature film so and we'll hear all about it in post and i can't wait um fingers crossed yeah man i know you're, you're always welcome back any updates you got yeah just come our way uh yeah, yeah we enjoyed this uh thoroughly so uh thanks again for doing this and uh hey. gosh um I know that I had one more thing I wanted to ask you, but it's gone now. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. So, okay. Uh, oh, oh, I know what it is. Um, spine tingler. If you make t-shirts, I want a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I feel like the movie's set in the winter. And so, um, actually it's around new year's Eve. It's not a Christmas movie. It's a new year's Eve horror movie. Hmm. And, um, this, it's a supernatural slasher movie. So it might scratch my slasher itch. <laughs> Good. Kind of it, you know, um, but it's, it, the spine tingler title works for the movie perfectly. I'm just hoping that it's one of those titles where you're like, how soon till somebody else takes this? Right. Title? I was just, dude, <laughs> dude, I was so going to say, did you copyright that? You can't copyright a title. Um, no. And but... you know, thankfully nail biter. I mean, there's a comic book that's pretty popular called nail biter, but like, I, I always liked that title and I'm like, quick, let's make a movie called nail biter quick. Boom. You know, um, so I, I want to make a sequel to that movie. Um, I'm just going to try to find that. It's been so long. There's that little worry that you're like, no one cares. <laughs> you know, <laughs> does anyone care if I make a sequel? So it's uh... always, I always appreciate when I hear from people who like that movie. Because yeah. um, I, I felt like because we went through the specific distributor that we went through, um, without getting into too many details, it's super hard for me to prove the movie made money. So it's super hard for me to go to a fi- to a, a you know somebody for financing and say because they always want to see how the first movie did and it, I, I haven't been able to it's been impossible you know and that's kind of an in- independent film problem where you just have to be able to show that a, a project has made money to get a sequel made and even if it was successful I can't get that data hmm. so um, the sequel will have to be at some point when I if I get to the point where I can just completely self-finance i would make that movie in a heartbeat so 
Well, let me tell you, you got my seven ninety nine because I purchased it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah, we do that here. We boast uh, buying our music and films should not be uh, given out for free. I, I just have a real problem. I grew up from a well, I grew up in a very different time. You paid for your art. And yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah. We, we grew up in the physical media time, you know, and that's the thing yeah. is that, you know, yeah. we grew up in video stores. And, mm. and um, so it's one of those things where my daughter will never have that sensation of having to wait for somebody to return the movie so that <laughs> you can rent it, you know. Um, the lost art. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The lost art. Well, I hate to say goodnight, but folks, friends, and fiends, this was Patrick Gray, spelt R-E-A, not Rhea. And um, <laughs> we found out why you didn't call his uh, – anyway, your daughter's name was not – anyway. Um, <laughs> we covered a lot of ground, and I, I hope to do this again uh, sooner than later. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Um, all right, just uh, stay on the line. I'm going to say goodnight right now to everybody else out there. And, um, and Sean, I, I hope you're still okay. I'm still okay, Dave. All right. <laughs> That's Captain Sexy signing off, folks. And uh, thank you so much for listening. And uh, check us all – check all the episodes out, man. We've got like 270 of them now. And uh, they're all available. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.
the dark, but you should be. There are things that dwell here in the dark. Things best left unseen. With the initial smoke clear from the fall of tomorrow, the blood now flows even thicker with dwelling in the dark. Eleven stories. All bits of the same mysterious puzzle. Fitting together with horrific parallels to its predecessor. Get ready for new, truly terrifying tales set in the broken world from the fall of tomorrow. Take a closer look at what's now dwelling in the dark. If you dare. Available on Amazon in traditional print and ebook. Get your copy today. Visit www.fairlydarkproductions.com for more info on the author and his work. Pop culture. Subculture. Music. Horror. Sex. Politics. Art. And overall bad This is Society 13. Redefining Podcasting. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electric acid. Electric acid.